Hey everybody, welcome to the Scratching the Surface podcast. I am your host, Austin Douglas, and today we are going to scratch the surface on some exciting updates that's been going on, right? It's early season, um, uh, in between preseason and the actual season. Um, a lot of you guys are, you know, starting your mow routes, have been starting your mow routes. If you're down south, you're already landscaping. Up here in the north, you know, we're having some bipolar weather as usual, you know, we had a week of 70s and 80s, and now it, today it was snowing and it's freezing. So what I've been doing recently is all the liquids that I had to take out of storage out of a warm environment, I've had to put them back in to storage because we don't want them to freeze. We don't want pumps to break. We don't want uh, various containers to explode or freeze or crack and spill everywhere. That's just not good news. So that's what I've been up to recently. But... I have also been up to quite a bit as far as um, marketing and selling some work and creating routes and things like that. So I just wanted to give you guys a quick update as far as where I am right now, what's going on, um, how the season's looking, and things like that. So without further ado, I really quick want to plug a couple things before we begin. Um, if you have not gotten our Poison Ivy Field Guide, I highly recommend that you do so. Um, It's a great little tool to just have in the truck for identifying poison ivy. It'll teach you the very minute nuances to look for. It's got a quick couple of pictures. I mean, it was designed, I made it to be like a really quick guide, right? Like you flip to what season are you in? What are you looking for? How can you tell? Boom, it's there, right? It's going to give you all the stuff that you really need to know in a shortened, short and sweet version. Um, You can find that down in the description below at poisonivyacademy.com forward slash field guide. There should be a link down below, depending on where you're listening to this. It should be there. Um, And then also, if you want to watch a 45-minute presentation that I had in regards to Poison Ivy, um, you can also find that link down below for the free presentation. And I highly recommend it. You know, with us starting to get into this, into the season, we're going to be exposed and around Poison Ivy, and we better know what it looks like. And I just want to keep you guys safe. I think you want to be safe. I don't think you want two weeks of absolute misery so I highly recommend that you check those out, download them, watch the presentation. You know, you got 45 minutes to prevent you from getting two weeks of a miserable rash. I think so. Right. But now that the that plug, shameless plug for uh, my free gifts for you are out of the way. Um, I had my first call from door hangers, which was pretty exciting. I passed out 100 door hangers. It was only like maybe a third of this neighborhood that I was targeting, really local to me. And I got a call back, which was pretty cool, right? It's what I want. I want people to call. And um, it was a really interesting call because they they were calling me in regards to a fertilization for some blue spruce trees. And they started talking to me, what's going on, this, that, and the other thing. And I actually, over the phone, I said, well, actually, you don't need a fertilization. Because what you're telling me right now is that your blue spruces have a fungal disease and we need to treat that. And how we treat that is one of two ways, right? We can either do a foliar application to the tree or we can do injections. How tall are these trees? Oh, they're 30 feet tall. Well, that's not ideal candidates for a spray treatment. So it would be injections. Would you like a quote for that? Yeah, we would. Okay. Well, we charge $90 to come out and inspect a property. And if you decide to move forward with it, well, that $90 will be included in that price. Would you still like to move forward with that? 
And then the objection comes. Well, let me talk with my wife. I'll give you a call around three o'clock. And then I never heard from him. You know, people love to have stuff for free, but they very ever realize that things are not free. Even if you get a quote unquote free estimate, it is not free. It is baked in the price. And so I have no idea where that mentality came that you should get free estimates. It's not free. It's never been free. It never will be free. Somehow you feel like you're getting a deal or you feel like you're wasting, you feel like wasting people's times by getting like three or four estimates, which don't get me wrong. Like there's a place in time to get multiple estimates on large ticket item jobs. There just is right. I got multiple estimates on a a water softener that was going to be installed in our property and we got multiple estimates and I went with the person that I felt like would give me the best service, you know, just flat out. But when you start to say we charge for our time ahead of time, that's when people back up and go, whoa, I thought you were a tree company. Like you're supposed to do this for free. No, we don't. I will never do that. I will not go out there for free. And you shouldn't either. If you're doing free estimates right now, I highly suggest that you change that. I really do. And you might think there's no way I can. There's no way. I can. Listen, if people are serious about the project, you're serious about your time and your expertise, and they're serious about their time, they will pay. And they should. Because it's not free. Gas isn't free. Your time's not free. You know, $90 for me to come out there and spend an hour with you to walk your property is a steal because our base man hour rate for working is right around $250, $278 an hour. Now, you don't say that over the phone, but that's what you think, right? You, you think these things, but you don't say it. Maybe one of these times I will just to see what happens as an experiment. But that was cool, right? Just to even get a call. And I think that's the whole point of the door hangers and flyers and postcards, any type of marketing that we have is that you're trying to um, invoke a conversation. And if you can invoke a conversation, well, that's when, you know, you get on the phone, they can start to hear you out, hear how smart you are, your expertise your recommendation. Like I already knew this guy didn't need a fertilization. He needed this because this is a really common issue. And I started to tell that and he knew I was educated without even seeing it. He knew I was educated, but you know, he had to talk to his wife and his wife was probably like, no, we're not going to spend that kind of money on this. So we'll see. But when you can get on those phone calls, you know, it's a good thing. Even, even if it's just for practice, just to teach you how to handle those conversations, it's good practice. So that was one quick update, right? First phone call. It was probably going to turn into, if they decided to go with it, probably like a $700 tree injection job. And you might say, well, for $700, Austin, why don't you go out there for free? Nope. Not going to do it. Just won't. If you're not if you're not serious enough to pay for my time to come out there, I'm not going to do it. You might say that's arrogant. You might say that's cocky. I don't. I just think that honest people believe that nothing is free in this world. So... One quick update. Another update is that we landed our very first um, air spade job, which is super cool. I had a client contact me in regards to his his roots of his trees and what was going on. And I had to go out there for a tree injection on a blue spruce, ironically. And we walked the property and I gave him I gave him like the farm as far as what I saw with his trees, my recommendations. I recommend that you prune them like this. Here's why. Here's the science behind it. Here's why it makes sense to do it. Um, here's when to do it because it was all a bunch of oaks. And so it made sense to wait until fall. 
in order to do that now because we're getting into that time where oak wilt is a huge thing. If you don't know about oak wilt, I highly recommend you look into it. It's a vascular disease that can kill oak trees very rapidly, primarily red oaks, but highly recommend you look into it. Um, another thing is that he, he needed some air spade work done. He wanted to take care of a maple tree that he has. And it's difficult to tell when you look at the ground what you're seeing, right? Like what I, what I perceived that I was looking at was an adventitious root system, which means that these are roots that have came off of the trunk as secondary roots, adventitious roots that weren't there. But the trunk was buried so long that it decided to produce a root system from there. And so what we're going to do is we're going to do a root collar excavation to take the grade down a little bit just to see what it's like around the base of the tree and see if I am seeing adventitious roots or if that's actually the root flare. And it's got a really strange looking root flare. But we're going to find out and we're going to use the air spade to do it. Another thing is that I took a, a compaction measurement tool out there and just measured the compaction of the ground. Um, the ground was super compact, right? You can measure it and you'll have a, like, there's a couple sweet spots as far as how compact it should be and how much that, um, resistance you should face when you push a compaction tool down there. And it's measured in, um, PSI. So I was pushing into the ground with this tool and we were up in the red, right? There's a green section, a yellow section and a uh, red section. We were in the red, we were over 200 PSI. So that ground is super compacted from lawnmowers, cars, the development process. I mean, it's super compact. So we're going to use the air spade and we're going to vertical mulch around this tree. We're going to fill in those holes with some compost. And then to top it all off, once we're done and we get everything corrected that we can, um, we're also going to feed it with a biostimulant fertilizer. And that's just going to boost the microbial activity. It's going to alter the soil profiles ever so slowly. And it's just going to benefit the tree, right? The homeowner had a a sentimental value to this tree because his neighbors planted it and he wants to take care of it. He wants to do everything he can to make sure that tree lives because it's his neighbors and his neighbors are older. He wants to make sure their tree can live, you know, very kind, very kind man to, to think of that. Right. But he also had a bunch of other Oak trees on his property and a couple of them, they had root flares showing, um, not to my liking. I like to see a more cleaner root flare at the ground. And then some of them had no root flares. Um, he had a black walnut that there was no root flare exposed and a couple of oaks that the root flare was like partially exposed, not hundred percent exposed. And then we started talking about, you know, what, what happened here? What's going on? I'm looking at the ground and I'm seeing bare ground. I'm not seeing lush grass. I'm seeing, you know, clay or sand dirt on the, on the surface. He said, oh yeah, we had, um, we had a, a, a drain pipe installed here for our downspouts. So that way it would go through here. And I'm looking at the trench line, my, my perception of where the trench line was in relation to these large oak trees. Just for reference, these things are eight feet in circumference. They're big oak trees. One of them is leaning over his house. The other one is leaning away from his house, but more towards his neighbor's house. And this trench is stupidly close to these trees. I mean, like within four to five feet of the trunks. And if you're doing any sort of digging, at that, at that distance, you are in the within the critical root zone of those trees, and you can cause some major damage. You can destabilize the trees. You know, if you're damaging major anchor roots, you can destabilize a tree. And guess what? If you dig and you cut some roots on accident or on purpose, and this 
instance. I think it was on accident, but you know, he was still doing this job on purpose. If you do that and you destabilize the tree and the tree falls on the house and it kills someone or it doesn't kill someone, it just wrecks the house. What's going to happen? More than likely, somebody's going to investigate what happened and they're going to find out who touched the tree last. And at that rate, who touched the tree last? Well, the person who was digging. So the insurance company might find them at fault and might give them a fine. And God forbid someone gets killed in that process, right? How could you live with yourself? If you if you dug a trench and you destabilize a tree because you ripped out a root and it fell down on a house and killed little Susie, you would not be okay with that. You would not be happy. It would royally mess up your conscious for a long, long time. It would take a long time to accept that. And to get over that. I don't even know that you would get over it, but just to accept that you did that, right? And so we're going to investigate. We're going to see the type of damage that was done. If it's minimal, God, God willing, it is. You know, I'll just look at what was ripped out and cut and probably make a cleaner cut because more than likely this was not a clean cut. They were using a mini skid steer. Pardon me. <sighs> Sorry, tired. And I don't edit these, so this is all. It is what it is. You get what you get. But I'm going to go take the air spade and I'm going to crack open where they ran this drain and I'm going to see what roots were damaged. And if they were major anchor roots, I am then going to defer. First of all, I should back up. I'm going to expose this and I'm going to look at it. And at that point, based on what I see, I'm going to take pictures and create a report and I will give them a report and I will likely submit uh, them to contact a tree risk assessment qualified arborist, which I am not, you know, I can tell you, I can excavate it. I can look at it. I can say this tree's at, you know, some pretty high risk based on of this thing, but I'm not a tree risk assessment qualified arborist. I recommend you contact one and have them come out here and do a full tree risk assessment. Here's my report. So they can look at it with photos, documenting it with what I found with locations, blah, blah, blah. You know, we're going to make a report so that way it makes it a little bit easier on the tree risk assessment arborist. And who knows who that's going to be? Who knows who they contact? Like I said, God willing, it is not detrimental. But if it is, then what happens next? That's the big question. It really is the big question because I talked to him and he said that the gentleman that did the work, he's, you know, kind of their handyman and, and he does work a lot for them. And he didn't know about this. He didn't think about this. And I told this client, I said, well, you have to think about this, right? If he does this and it destabilizes your tree and makes it unsafe beyond your tolerance of risk, who's paying to remove the tree? You or him? And he kind of sat there and he's like, that's a good point. And I was like, because this tree is probably going to cost thousands of dollars to remove based on its size, its risk, it overhanging the house. You're probably going to have to bring in a crane and do some picks. I mean, it's going to be an expensive job. You know, if, if he's any sort of um, reliable, good business owner, he should have business insurance and he should make an insurance claim. Be like, I screwed up and I'm sorry. You know, unfortunately, that could be the route. Now, God willing. There is not much damage to these tree roots. So as far as a lesson to all of you out there that are doing hardscape jobs or doing any sort of drainage work, I highly recommend, highly recommend to you, if you're doing any sort of installations like this close to trees, 
you need to contact an arborist that has the capacity, the skill set, and the tools to excavate prior to you doing your job. Otherwise, that could be you on the other end where you have to make an insurance claim. Or like I said, God forbid, you destabilize a tree, it falls in a house and kills someone. And if you don't think that that does not happen, like it does. It's not like it happens every day. You don't hear about it on the news every day, but it does happen. And you don't want to be the one that was last to touch the tree, especially if you're the one that did it. You do not want to be in that situation at all. So that was a kind of where I'm at, what I'm doing. And with that job, it's, it's pretty good. We're going to do a whole day's worth of work there with the air spade, you know, from decompaction to root collar excavations to inspecting that to vertical mulching, some fertilization. I mean, it's going to be a jam-packed day, but it's all good. You know, it's a part of it. That's that's what I want to do. That's what I would like to do. I'd like to save some trees and I'd like to diagnose and see what's going on with some other ones, which is exciting. And on the other end of things with poison ivy, um, we recently, you might've seen this in an Instagram story of mine. If you're not following me on Instagram, you can find me at ditch the itch MI on Instagram. You'll find me there. Um, I recently posted a story of a house that I have to go do a poison ivy job on a removal and a treatment. And this is a county job. The county has a, uh, uh, how would I call it? Like a division that helps, um, people of the community. And if they're, I'm assuming this, but if they're, um, in need of help to do some fixing up on their home, like the county will step in and help out. And so this is one of those jobs and having talked to them, you know, I was, when they called, I was quick to respond within minutes. I contacted them back and they stopped looking for anyone else because of that. So another lesson there, answer your phone or return calls as soon as possible. And after going down there, meeting with them, explaining them what needs to go on, what needs to happen. I, uh, you know, I sent them three options. I said, here are your options. And here's what they entail. Option one is to just kill this stuff, let it be, and let your contractors, you know, know that they're going to be working in poison ivy and they're likely to get it. Okay. Option one, just kill it. Okay. Option two was like a partial removal where we kill it and then we remove as much as we possibly can. Because there was poison ivy growing up near the uh, service line, utility line entrance to the home, we have to disconnect the line and we're going to remove as much as possible so as to not damage the home is what I wrote. And be, and here's why, because there was poison ivy growing up underneath siding, in between fascia boards, in between the gutters, in between doors. I mean, you name it, man, this, this was a mess, an absolute mess. And so that was option two. Option two was a partial removal just to get it to where you don't have stuff sticking up everywhere. We're not going to be invasive. We're not going to rip siding off. We're not going to rip gutters off to do this. Like this is, you know, somewhat safer, I would say. Option three was a full removal, which still entails that we have to kill it. It still entails that we have to uh, disconnect the line in order to remove it, which I've never done before. So I actually put that on the county, that that's their responsibility is to coordinate the utility line disconnect and that I need to be present when that occurs. So that way I know it's done correctly. I'm speaking with the linemen and I can get to work right then. So we don't have a uh, downtime of the utilities for the, for the homeowner. You know, we can be as quick as possible. To me, it just made sense and logic. But the full removal would entail that we have to strip off the siding, strip off the gutters, strip off the fascia boards 
we have to get down to like basically wood studs and wood and start removing this stuff because it's that bad. And if you saw the pictures on Instagram, it is rough. I'm definitely going to be posting updates on that one, but it's a, it was a doozy. And so they're probably going to go with option two. They already contacted me, told me that, but I will tell you this, what it led to was um, the director wanted to have a standing contract with me for two years. And basically the contract was for a maximum of $5,000 in work or $4,500 in work for the year, whenever they needed it. And you know, that's per year. So if they run into more situation with this poison, they just call me, say, Austin, can you go do this? Send us an invoice and you'll get paid. Awesome. Super simple. Like call me. Do you have any more projects? Do you have projects over 5,000? Cause like, let's do it. And that was a cool update, right? I've never had a standing contract with a county. And we've gone, we've gone back and forth on their contract a couple of times just because of language. But overall, I think it's going to work out. It's going to be good. And then on another thing, oh man, there's been so much that's been happening. I went through a bunch of clients that I had sent quotes to and they never got approved. And I started calling. And one of them was a poison sumac job. And I called them and they were like, hey, that's so funny you're calling. We were just thinking about you. And it's like, oh, you were? Well, I was just thinking about you. You know, they laugh. Ha, 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 ha. How you doing? How's, how's life? How you been? Blah, blah, blah. And then they're like, yeah, we do want to move forward with that. Awesome. Let's move forward. So that's what we're going to do. I'm waiting on their approval. And then that'll be on the books. You know, I, I it was actually $3,800 that I, no, it was more than that. It was like $5,000 that I called back on from last year's work and said, Hey, would you want to, you know, get this on the books this year? So far, $1,800 said, yes. And I'm waiting to hear more than that. Actually, there was a couple other people that said yes. So it's probably like three or $4,000, 3,500, something like that, that said, yes. So I'm waiting here on a couple more thousand to see if they want to move forward. But that's always nice, right? You just reach in your Rolodex, speak into the past, and be like, hey, do you guys still want to do this? And they're like, yeah, we do. Awesome. Let's get you on the books. And then, you know, forward thinking, the door hangers, getting calls. So things are going pretty well. You know, on top of that, balance not being a dad, being a husband, being a son. There's all these things that add up, you know, but it's it's fun. On top of like, <sighs> there's maintenance at the house. So like my, my lawnmower. A tube in it must have broke or something. I got to take it up there. I got to do the maintenance on the mower. Got to mow, things like that. It's uh, it's always something, you know. Today, what I was doing today was um, I went and did a, I don't want to say an experimental, but it was pretty damn close to experimental, um, a treatment on a crab apple, and I was using a product that I've never used before in a manner and method that I've never used before, but I reached out to an a fellow arborist down in Ohio that said, no, man, this works. And this works for this long. And I've had really good results with it. And so it's like, okay, well, you're not a sales rep first and foremost. So you're actually out in the field using this and you say it works. So let's, let's try it. And it was um, a basal bark spray with a fungicide that's called Reliant, which Reliant is a phosphite. It's mono and dipotassium salts of phosphorus. I believe phosphorus and uh, it's really interesting how it works as a fungicide, but I sprayed a crab apple tree today for a client. I said, Hey, we'll see what happens. You know, it's supposed to provide eight to 12 weeks of, of protection. So we'll see. 
I also sprayed one of my apple trees today. That's an ornamental crab. And just to see, right, spray them both the same day and see what happens. Because if my tree's doing well, more than likely his tree's doing well. And then I have a neighbor that has a crab apple and a major branch on it died back from fire blight. And so it can also be used to fight fire blight. So I went and treated his tree and, you know, we hang out pretty frequently in the summer. We go to cookouts. We do all that stuff, drink beer, hang out. And I'll be watching his tree over the course of this next year to see what happens. But that's it's pretty awesome if I can stop the fire blight on this beautiful crab apple they have. So new methods. This goes back into one of the previous episodes of feeding your mind. You know, I wouldn't have known about this method that's super efficient, super cheap as far as the application, and a super effective based on feedback from someone who's a certified arborist who is not a sales rep of this company. Like, you have to feed your mind and look for these things. I mean, this could, you take this, if you had over a, a thousand crab apples that you had to spray and you had to do this, you're going to make way more money doing it this way compared to the traditional three to four application foliar application sprays. And so it'll be a good beta test, right? If we can get a bunch of crab apples on the list, first and foremost in the season, you know, we could probably be doing this, you know, two, three weeks ago. We could have been out there doing all those crab apples, which that's pretty awesome. So we're going to see, we're going to see how this works and beta test it and get some evidence. But yeah, that's, that's kind of like a quick update. You know, I'm a little late on this Tuesday podcast. Usually I try and get them out early in the morning and, and pre-record them and get them out. But I just, I was beat. I was exhausted. I was making routes for my technician and things like that. And I just, I didn't have the energy to record a podcast. I didn't make time for it. It's on me. So getting this out late, late, better than not at all. So I'll also have one out Thursday. I'm going to sit down and think of a topic here today or tomorrow and put that up. So listen to it. Hope you guys enjoy this content. Hope I'm not just speaking to a, a wall and it doesn't help you at all or in any way. I hope you can find something that's relatable to it. You know, maybe you get some plant healthcare knowledge out of it or some business knowledge or marketing or anything like that. You know, that's, that's the goal. That's why we're scratching the surface on things. And sometimes we're going to scratch a little bit deeper. So stay tuned for that when we get some big names on big, I see big names are relative, right? But we get some quality uh, content from big names that's coming up. So other than that, I wish you guys well. I hope you're crushing it. hope you're out there making money and I hope you're enjoying family and living your life. So that's going to end today's episode and I will see you in the next one. Take care and God bless.